Welcome to a fresh perspective on business technology. This is Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise. Presented by Rising, a Wipro company. You'll hear from business and technology innovators who know how to use the latest technologies and business strategies to transform industries, and importantly, how these technologies and strategies can be shaped to your business needs in your way. Help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. That's me, Bonnie D. in the house. Happy to be here. I have a question for all of our listeners. Everybody panel wave hello. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. And we are virtually on audio simulcast on the Voice America Business Channel. I'm going to ask my listeners and viewers, what did you have for breakfast? Because that's what we're going to talk about today. What? The show is rising in Wipro. We're talking about breakfast. Well, it's very important to the topic. So as usual, I have a little intro that I co-wrote, full disclaimer, co-wrote with ChatGPT. There are human editing elements in this poem. Patty, it's a poem. Take take it easy now. Patty's going to check me and make sure I really did this. So let me read this and then we will see if everybody liked it. Let me find the poem. Here we go. Okay. Welcome listeners and viewers to a voyage profound where culture, strategy, and technology are intricately wound. Join us as we unravel the tales untold of how these forces shape business. Oh, so bold. Our panel of experts, leaders of industry, diving into stories and strategies, a symphony. Cultures embrace the choices of tech. Strategies drive transformational trek. Oh, I like that one. In this synergy lies a business revolution, a nexus of forces, a dynamic solution. When I call your name, wave hello. Sherry Ann Meyer. Enrique Rubio, Dr. Patty Fletcher, G.O.T. Sharma, all so bright. Join me, host Bonnie D. Graham, shedding new light on rising evolution where the future unfolds. Use that word twice, <laughs> sorry. Culture, strategy, and tech. What eats what for breakfast, we ask to be told. So audience, get ready for this journey's delight as we explore the future. Fusion, I'm getting echo here. Where we explore the fusion, where these elements unite. Turn in, tune in, absorb, let the discussion brew. For the convergence lies business evolution anew. Let's go around the table. What'd you think? Enrique, Ooh. did you like it? I, I don't know what I love the most, the actual poem or the narration of the poem. And uh, <laughs> both both of them are great. Uh, I'm curious, I'm curious for you to tell later on what the prompts were uh, for you to yes. kind of like create that poem in, I'll, in I'll tell you what in would, a minute when we go around the table. I'll tell you right now. Giotti, what'd you think of the poem? It was eloquent. Oh, eloquent. Oh, by the way, I specialize in cold reads. I don't sit here all night and, and pronounce everything. So that's why there were a couple of stumbles there. Patty, what'd you think? It reminded me of Twas the Night Before Christmas. I loved it. Very, <laughs> okay. very on point right now. Very good. Cherry, what'd you think? It was lovely. It was my favorite yet out of this whole series. Oh, I'm glad. Let me tell you how cool. I do it. Uh, Hannah Hale, Sherry's colleague at Rising, writes an abstract, which you all saw in the invitation for the show. I take the exact wording in her abstract, and then I add your names, and I feed it into ChatGPT, and I say, please write a poem for my opening monologue on this show using the following text, and I just glom it into there and hit submit. Then I start the countdown, 1,001, 1,002. Before I hit three, I got the poem. That's how fast it is. That's all I do. Then I take it and I look for places where I want to change the rhyme scheme or a word here or there. And that's that's about it. We're talking about eight minutes of total work there. Enrique, what do you think? Impressive? 
I, I use ChatGPT every day, and that alone, the uses that I have for ChatGPT is just mind mind blowing. I think it's just incredible. It would have taken you probably hours of work to create a poem like that, and now you can take just eight minutes. That's fascinating. Not me, actually. I'm a part of a poetry group, and I <laughs> me, write. It would have taken me hours. Only about twenty minutes, but thank you very much. I appreciate that. So here we are. We are talking about that old phrase: "What eats what for breakfast." We're talking culture. We're talking tech. We're talking strategy, and that's what we want to know today, and that's why we have our wonderful panel here. So our topic officially is culture, strategy, and technology. What's for breakfast, or what's eating what for breakfast? Old phrase, new look at it in this new environment. So again, my special panelists are, we have Sherry Ann Meyer, who is one of the co-producers of this series. We finally got you on the panel, Sherry. It's about time. Thank you. And Dr. Patty Fletcher, who I work with, she was my mentor at SAP 12 years ago, and here she is. We've stayed in touch over the years. And two newcomers to my world, Gioti Sharma. So happy to have you here, and Enrique Rubio. So here's the deal. I didn't tell anybody who you are other than your names and what you do. They see your smiling, happy faces, and they know you're happy to talk about this because you're all looking so excited. So let's go around the table and get some introductions in your own words. We're going to start with Sherry. You want to be Sherry or Sherry Ann today? Who would you like to be? Sherry is great. Sherry is great. Well, we know Sherry's great, but you want to be Sherry. I'm going to put you on speaker view, Sherry. Why don't you give us a three-minute bio and overview? And we're not just looking for a CV. We're looking for... What are you doing here? Why does this topic excite you? What's your passion for? What am I doing here? There you I go. I am insanely curious. Um, I fell into tech by accident. I was a writer. I thought I would never want to do technology. And then SAP came along. I thought it was the most boring thing on the earth to sit around and program. And uh, got into technology with SAP and found out how creative it really can be. I also have a passion, of course, for humans, so I moved from HR into technology and have since been working on making technology more human for people to use um, through communications primarily. So I've been in HR, I've been in IT, I've been um, a volunteer board member for ASUG, America's SAP Users Group, and now I'm here at Rising uh, as Corp Communications. What did you have for breakfast today, Sherry? Oh, what did I have? For, oh, I had delivery from Panera. It was an egg sandwich. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask. Me. It just seemed appropriate. That's all. So we've got a little culture in there. We've got a little strategy in there. And if you ordered it, there's probably some technology in there. So I think well, there was. It was DoorDash. There, there you go. See, she covered it all. There you go. We do a lot of a lot of impromptu, uh, yeah, improv here. Let's move around the table. Thank you, Sherry. Enrique Rubio, I met you on our prep call about a week ago. Was looking forward so much to welcoming you. And here you are. I want to know what microphone you're using and then give us your bio. What you got there? Yeah, Bonnie D. Thank you so much for inviting me and Sherry as well. Uh, I got a Blue Yeti that I've been using for a long time and great microphone. Um, my name is Enrique Rubio, originally from Venezuela, now living in the beautiful city of Flagstaff in the northern part of the state of Arizona. Whoever has been here probably knows that this is one of the most beautiful cities ever. And uh, I am just an hour away from the Grand Canyon, which is a true blessing. I, I actually started my career in technology. I am an electronic engineer. I worked uh, for a long time in telecommunications, and then I fell into HR, fell in love, but fell just by coincidence into the world of HR. So as opposed to Sherry, my story is technology to culture rather than culture, or in this case, communications to technology. I am the founder of a global community called Hacking HR, where we bring thousands of HR leaders and professionals 
to uh, participating in our community and our learning programs. Most of them deliver in the form of events with conversations and, and, and experts uh, in the uh, in different areas of culture and performance and um, strategy and technology, of course. I am incredibly passionate about the the future of work, particularly about the role that HR plays in the future. And I got to say that I am a true believer in HR. That doesn't mean that everything that we do today is, is the right way to do, in, to do things, but I'm a true believer in our power to become trailblazers that are leading the way for people and organizations to uh, lead others and mark the way forward for people, for organizations, for leaders into what is unknown for many, and we call it the future of work. I believe in that role uh, of HR becoming a trailblazer, and that's why I do hacking HR. That's why I have I participate in these conversations. That what that's what keeps me up at night. How to how to realize this vision? How to help HR people to truly embrace their power and the idea that they are trailblazers? We just need to close a few gaps. We just need to learn a few skills, and then we can do it. That's that's a little bit about me and what keeps me up at night. I wish you were enthusiastic, Enrique. I don't know. No, <laughs> that was, that was lovely. And my, my question for you is Hacking HR, the name of your company, what kind of reactions do you get from people? We all know that hacking doesn't always have a positive impression on people. It does recently, but in originally it did just briefly. How did you name it Hacking HR, Enrique? Yeah. It's you know, it comes it comes a little bit from the technology space, you know, the word hacking and hacking means changing something from the core. Like Hackers know that when you want to hack something, you can't just change the the facade of something. You gotta go to the lines of code, to the ones and zeros, mm -hmm. to to hack something. And that's what I was thinking about HR. I want to change HR from the core, so I have to go to the basics of HR, meaning the ones and zeros. You know, going to the language of technology to really sort of change the way we do things. And that's why I wanted to combine kind of like hacking and and HR. And not not everybody you know, thinks that this is a cool name. I mean, I remember a guy back in 2017 when I created this, he was like, oh, I don't think everything in HR needs to be hacked. And I'm like, well, I didn't say everything, but I, a lot of things need to be hacked uh, in HR. So anyway, um, it's been quite a journey and, you know, we are one of the largest and fastest growing uh, communities in HR in the world. So the name has stuck, I think. Thank you. I wanted to ask, I'm sure everybody is wondering, quickly, what'd you have for breakfast? I had oatmeal <laughs> and okay. <then> muffins. <laughs> All right, we don't want to know about I, I usually have like three breakfasts. <laughs> okay. I'm always we'll, hungry. We'll, we'll stop at oatmeal. Dr. Patty Fletcher, you and I go so far back. I know you do with Sherry as well. Patty, it's it's just a, a delight to have you here. So putting you on speaker view, what have you been up to? I know you've been disrupting a lot of things, Patty, officially and unofficially. Go ahead. Bring us up to date. I have. So um, for, the, for those who don't know me, first of all, this is wonderful, Bonnie, and thank you so much. And, you know, all roads to, for me lead back to SAP and everybody on here is, is you know, an ex, uh, example of that. So me, um, grew up in enterprise software. Um, you know, Sherry, you and I probably joined the SAP world a, a little bit around the same time. And in the world of HR, nobody knew who SAP was on this side of right. the pond. Or yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was um, great. Right. And so that really set me off in a career at the intersection of people, business and technology. And and really, my career has been marked by large scale transformation, category disruption, net new category creation, um, as well as kind of getting culture to change. And I disagree with culture, each strategy for breakfast. You need both. 
And so, and it's really important as we think about that technology piece and data piece moving forward, Sherry used the word curiosity. And I don't believe curiosity killed the cat. I think it enabled the cat <laughs> to have fun lives, right? And so it really does come down to, for me, when I think about the future of work, which I, I think you said, Enrique, I think about it and I'm a futurist, the future of industry, and that's where the tech and the economy and all those things, right? Therefore, the future of leadership. And I, I'm, you know, we'll talk probably a bit about that today therefore the future of work and therefore the future of how work gets done. Um, so I continue to do that with my career and I'm really thrilled to, to be talking about that today. Tell me about your book, Patty. Come on. I see yeah. something there about disrupting. What was yeah. your book title? Yeah. yeah. So I have a book, bestseller, um, Disruptors, Success Strategy from Women Who Break the Mold. Um, it's an anti-lean-in book. I don't believe in lean-in. If mm. women leaned in anymore, our faces would hit the ground. Um, and this is really around disruption and make no mistake, right? I, disruption is, you know, just like hacking a word that can be negative, but it's not. For me, I've been born with this thing where I cannot see a status quo that's inefficient, ineffective, or inequitable and not create a new norm that actually is. And that's where my passion comes from, leveling the playing field so all talent can thrive. And that's why this topic is so important, changing that world of work and being able to disrupt and follow those who broke the mold in order to be bold. Thank you. I think we have a panel of disruptors here today. Sherry, what do you think? I think we we're all, all was, disruptors. Patty, yes. Patty knows that I started something called Game Changers Radio in 2011 for SAP on a whim or on a dare. I dared myself <laughs> And it turned into 48 radio series over 10 years and brought millions of listeners to thought wow. leadership for Bonnie, SAP. It's, it's been a pleasure. Right? And, and it's just, it just, I just kept doing it. But, it but, yeah. but people said, what are you doing? That's not your job. I said, who cares? It's just so interesting to get these people on here and not be selling anything, just to be mm. a leader in thinking about technology, about the future, about breaking the mold, Patty, about disrupting, about changing the game. And it just went on and on and on. And here I am. 56 series later, and I connected with Sherry, and here we are. So thank you very much. Patty, what'd you have for breakfast? Seriously. Um, I had a ham and onion omelet. Ooh, homemade or ordered? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay. There you go. Gioti Sharma. So happy. I met you. Nobody else was on that prep call and you and I just rocked and rolled. I think we were on for 45 minutes talking, getting to know each other. Oh, such a pleasure to have you here. Please share with everybody, who are you and what's your passion for our topic? Welcome. We were. Thank you so much, Bonnie D. Uh, firstly, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Thank you so much, Bonnie, Sherry, Rising Team, Patty, Enrique. You know, really looking forward to contributing my bit to the panel today. My name is Jyoti Sharma, and I'm calling in from a rainy and very Christmassy London. Uh, in my current role, I'm the founder and CEO of Tara Cares Global, which is an AI startup enterprise that is empowering women and female individuals, and more importantly, their employers and healthcare systems with science in how we change the face of menopause and healthy aging in females. And I'll come in a bit to why I'm curious about the topic. But I founded this venture in summer of 2022 when all of us were reeling out of the pandemic and after a very intense introspection during the pandemic. At that time, I was an executive director at EY London, one of the big four consulting firms where I was leading the people experience business at the intersection of culture, strategy and technology across 100 plus countries in Europe, Middle East, India and Africa. Very similar to, you know, most of the speakers here, uh, most of my career has been shaped by SAP and SAP's acquisitions. And for more than 22 years, I've implemented 
and led some of the largest tech-enabled transformations for companies like Johnson & Johnson, PepsiCo, Bayer, amongst others, growing tech alliances with SAP success factors, Microsoft, Qualtrics, and ServiceNow. And my passion for this topic, and you know, when Hannah reached out to me, I was I was over the moon because it finds its origin in my first-hand experience as a consultant, as a SAP Press best-selling author for migrating to the cloud with success factors, as a tech leader, being part of organizations, advising the C-suite and organizations of all sizes, and also sharing in the journey of my customers who are focused on finding that magical blend of culture, strategy, and technology. You know, similar to Patty, I don't think anyone eats anyone for breakfast. It really is up to the leaders and to the people who are sponsoring that transformation and what they do with what the, re the resources that they have. Now, I'm also a researcher for the National Institute of Health and Care Research in the UK and a graduate member of British Psychological Society, which gives me the privilege of having spent more than 4,000 hours investigating the lived experience of menopause transition of women of all ages, ethnicities, and socioeconomic backgrounds. So in, in my role right now and the company, what we are doing is we are empowering organizations with science. We are, we are empowering organizations with you know, the power of individual differences in how we need to reimagine the approach that organizations take to address the suffering, the silence, and stigma of menopause transition and I am flying the flag of shaping the future of female work. I know we've been talking about future of work for, I think, at least two decades, as long as my career sp uh, you know, spans. Um, and we are looking at shaping the future of female work. And that's what um, I will be contributing throughout the discussion here. So really delighted to be here. I have two questions for you, Jody. Number one is, do you ever sleep? <laughs> I do. I sleep. I sleep eight to 10 hours. You told me on a prep call, but I wanted everybody else to hear it. That was beyond yeah. amazing. Eight to 10 hours night sleep. And yeah. the second question, you know what's coming. What'd you have for breakfast today? Oatmeal oh. and a boiled egg. And a oh, boiled egg. Boiled egg. Okay. All right. Very well. If anybody's wondering, 1% milk, two ice cubes, a little scoop, a small one of Tillamook Oregon strawberry ice cream. I know. Squirt of agave and a little bit of frozen strawberries and blackberries and whip it up in an individual personalized size blender and use my forever straw. We don't use plastic straws anymore. Uh, yes, washed and brushed and cleaned. And uh, that was, yes. And that was breakfast. And today I have, I have my, uh, my that sounds straw. delicious. It, it we is should actually, need to do this in person, I think. Usually, <laughs> usually it's a banana with cocoa, but I ran out of bananas. Got to go to the store today. Thank you all for the bios and for the breakfast menu. I appreciate it. Let's go on to the part of the show where I've asked each of you to please bring me a fictional quote from a movie or a TV show or a song lyric, and you're going to explain it. Let's make this short because we have so much to talk about. Sherry, I'm predicting there'll be a part two of this topic. I think so. I, this is a great panel. No way we're going to get through all this. So Sherry Ann Meyer, Sherry Ann, Sherry, Sherry, has brought us a quote from Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. It's a little bit of a long quote. She's going to explain what it has to do with our topic. The quote is, she she screams in silence, a sullen riot penetrating through her mind, waiting for a sign to smash the silence with a brick of self-control. There's the chorus. I don't know when you're all going to sing. Are you locked up in a world that's been planned out for you? Are you feeling like a social tool without a use? Scream at me until my ears bleed. I'm taking heed just for you. How'd I do, Sherry? Is that <laughs> okay? <is> wonderful. <laughs> So uh, little did you know I was a punk rock fan. Um, I love Green Day. And that particular song, my daughter does too, that particular song she decided when she was about 10 years old was my song. 
And I hadn't really listened to the words until she said that. And I was like, it is my song. <laughs> that is so me screaming in silence. Um, and what it has to do with our show today is really, I feel like technology has given all of us on this panel and all of us in the world a much bigger voice, a much bigger opportunity to say things and to know other people and other people's cultures more so than ever before. So I really see technology influencing culture in very positive ways and vice versa. Um, and so it's, it's, it's very, really a circle, right, of the culture, strategy, and technology. They all kind of weave together in some way or another. Um, but that's one of the reasons I chose that quote, besides I love the song. Thank you very much. I hope I didn't butcher it too much. That was a cold read, by the way, but I sense that there was emotion in those words. Enrique Rubio has picked a quote from The West Wing, American serial political drama TV on NBC from 1999 to 2006. This is from episode Noel with the two dots over the E, originally aired December 13th, 2000, season two, episode 10. Let me read the scene, if that's okay with you, Enrique. And then you That's can a explain. long one, yeah. <laughs> I know. Leo McGarry, played by John Spencer, I like him, tells a story to Josh Lyman, played by Bradley Whitford, whose mental health he's concerned about. The guy's walking down the street when he falls in a hole. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, hey, you, can you help me out? The doctor writes a prescription, throws it down the hole and moves on. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts up, father, I'm down in this hole. Can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer, throws it down the hole and moves on. The friend walks by. Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. Our guy says, are you stupid? Now we're <laughs> both down here. And the friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. <laughs> Enrique, what does this have to do with our topic? I love the scene. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, the West Wing is one of my favorite shows. And I'm, I'm actually watching it for the second time now, reminding myself that politics doesn't have to be about hate and, and, and you know, a polarization. It can be about disagreeing with, with kindness and, and compassion and trying to reach common ground, right? But the, the reason why I chose that quote, which, by the way, I didn't know it was in December uh, of 2000, you know, very telling that now we're in December, 23 years later. But it's because there's uh, there are people that have traversed the journey of creating better organizations. They have connected the dots between culture, technology, people, and strategy. And they have done the work. They have been doing research, talking about this for such a long time. Pat is one of them. You know, years and years talking about this, talking about this. And yes, many people listen to her, but also a lot of people have been incredulous about the fact that you can connect the dots between technology, culture, performance, and a strategy. And now they are realizing, yes, it kind of makes sense that if people are well and if they are cared for, and if we focus on their employee experience, they will deliver better for the business and therefore our business will do better. So find those people that have been in the hole. Uh, it doesn't have to be literally a hole, but find those people who have been talking about this for such a long time, the Patty Fletchers of the world, uh, reach out to them and tell them, I want to do this. I, I I never believed that this was possible, but I now know I'm aware. I just need some help. Help me out, get out of this hole to make my company, my organization more competitive in this very, you know, difficult set of circumstances while at the same time I care for the people. That to me is the friend that jumped in the hole is Patty. She jumped in the hole and now she's telling people, I've been, <laughs> I've been researching about this. Now let me help you get out of here. That was brilliant. <laughs> Enrique and I are now best friends forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Well, a lot of friendships are made on these shows. 
Let's see who's going to be on whose holiday. Who's going to be on whose holiday list? I can see the lists are getting bigger there. Thank you very much, Enrique. I I enjoy researching these quotes. Obviously, people don't send me the whole thing, but I go out and I spend hours on Wikipedia. And yes, I do donate when they ask me for money because it's like a, I don't I don't know who writes all this stuff, and and the quality varies. But it's just wonderful to read the background on these movies and TV shows and singers. So thank you very much. I had fun. Patty Fletcher has picked a scene from Fargo, American black comedy crime drama FX TV series. This is from season one. I don't have the exact episode name. Uh, let's see. Fargo's created and primarily written by Noah Hawley, inspired by the 1996 film written and directed by the Coen brothers and takes place in a fictional universe. There we go. So let me read the scene, Patty. We have Lauren Malvo, a hitman for hire, played by Billy Bob Thornton. Do you know the human eye can see more shades of green than any other color? Gus Grimley was a Duluth police detective officer played by Colin Hanks. What? Lauren Malvo. I said, did you know the human eye could see more shades of green than any other color? My question for you is why? Gus, no, 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 no. Just, just hold on. Lauren, when you figure out the answer to my question, then you'll have the answer to yours. Okay, Patty, unravel for me. What do we got here? <laughs> a scene. Well, number one, I'm a little disappointed because I did not hear your North Dakota accent. Um, so tell me, what is it supposed to sound like, Patty? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so funny. When I went there for a customer for SAP years ago, I couldn't believe that accent was real. Um, so, and it is. So, so what is this about, right? So the human eye is biologically set up to see several shades of green. And when we think about the origins as humans, it makes sense. This enables us, whether we are the prey or the predator, to see, and it's because it's the only, only color we really see straight on, right? And then the rungs, you know, kind of concentric circles really help us there. Um, but what that enables us to do is to be able to distinguish kind of leaves and those kinds of things from a predator or prey that is camouflaged. And when I think about this quote, it's it's really kind of taking off from what Enrique just talked about. When we think about technology, it's the eye, right? But it's also the green. And that's what AI is enabling us to do. In every single industrial revolution leading up to AI was all about replacing, you know, bad work and Bonnie, I'm helping out a little bit with some of the, the things here, but replacing kind of unsafe work, um, work that too much time and ultimately started replacing people when it came to decision making. And yet here we are in a totally different shift with AI it has nothing to do with that. It's cognitive shifts. And so when we think about this quote, it's not only what are the things that we are trained to look at, but what's the new ways in which we should? Not only what we see, but what do we hear? What do we feel? So that's why, and I can't wait to dive in. The new ways in which we should. Isn't that interesting? It reminds me of research I did for a poem for my, my Writer's Digest poem of the day in April, I think it was, Patty, where I discovered that on the set of Gone with the Wind, the director wanted Vivian Lee, I think, to have blue eyes, and she had green eyes. Right. So they hired a very famous makeup artist to come in and make sure everything in the environment around her when she was being filmed made her eyes look the color the director wanted green or blue. Very, very interesting. Way back in the 1930s. It just reminded me. Thank you very much, Patty. Let's move on. To, and I'll work on that accent, Patty. I, I didn't know North Dakota had one. I obviously didn't see Fargo. I'll, I'll work on it. I promise. I will disrupt. Jyoti Sharma has sent us a quote from uh, Robert Longstride, Robin Longstride. Oh, played by Russell Crowe. The movie 
2010 action film going back in history here, Robin Hood, based on the Robin Hood legend. The film is directed by Ridley Scott and stars Russell Crowe, Kate Blanchett, William Hurt, Mark Strong, Mark Addy, Oscar Isaac, Danny Houston, Eileen Atkins, and Max von Sydow. Very, very interesting here. So here is the quote, rise and rise again until lambs become lions. Okay, go ahead. Jody, what does this have to do with our topic? Right. So I picked that quote, one, because I absolutely love Robin Hood um, and only topical that I live in England now. And he was from Nottinghamshire. There are a couple of reasons why. Firstly, um, this scene in the movie is when Robin Hood is, is, is an adult and he's being reminded of the visionary and the philosopher that his father was. And so he has to go back and remember the scene when his father made him touch, you know, an inscription on rock which says rise and rise again until the lambs become lions. For me, it resonates with the topic. Number one, Kate Blanchett was cast in this film in 2009 to play Maid Marian because and she replaced Sienna Miller. And Sienna Miller had to exit because when the script was rewritten, she she seems to be too young for the role. Right. And so think about women and aging. And I have firsthand experience. So I have had the privilege of, you know, learning from the best, but always was at least with women, with people who were 10, 15 years senior to me in experience and age. And I was supposedly the kid on the block. And now I'm I'm told, oh, you're too young to be talking menopause. But that's the whole point, that menopause does not see age. And there are women in their 20s and 30s who are also being diagnosed of menopause. So the double-edged sword that women have to face in terms of aging, you know, is we are we are we haven't made any pro any progress in terms of what women face at the workplace. The second one is the um the when I say rise and rise again until lambs become lions, people that we are engaging with are chief diversity officers, chief HR officers. So for me, the chief people officer at say Unleash Paris, who took and looked at the platform and said, Okay, I'm going to connect you to my global benefits leader. These are the lions and lionesses of the workplace. And we have to continuously reinforce the topic of the female work, the future of female work, which essentially if, and I've been saying this for at least 10 years when I was also working in corporates, that until and unless we reorient our strategies to talk to the female health span, reproductive and post-reproductive health span, it is not going to solve the problem, period. You know, I have friends who came back from pregnancy and maternity didn't have a career. You come, you 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 step into your forties and you're not promoted, and then you know organizations find a way to you know exit you from the organization, right? So the the whoever is listening to us, whether you're middle management, senior management, no matter at what level of the organization you are, if you are looking at your female workforce and saying one size fits all, or looking at your future of work strategies and talent strategies and saying, oh, this is going to work well, the woman's role has has evolved, right? Now we have more leaders. We have women like Patty, Sherry. I mean, I think every one of us is a disruptor over here. And so I cannot tell you how many uh, projects we've done where they just could not figure out the career path or the career path would suit a male worker, but it will not suit a female worker because guess what? When she goes into her 30s, she's going to start thinking about starting a family, but she's also a rock star. So how do you, in fact, women are more demanding at the workplace, right? Because they're good at work and they're good at 
in family and you have to make sure that you empower and enable her as because she's spending 70 to 80 percent of her time in the workforce so for me that that the 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 voice of the visionary, you know, if you think you are a visionary leader, unless and until you actually can raise everybody to that level and elevate your workforce strategies, which are around the healthy aging and, and destigmatize it. You know, there are some brands now who are removing that, hey, this is an anti-aging wrinkle cream or whatever. And that, yeah, I mean, there are, there, there are I forget the name of the brand, but the brand is saying you should not, because you're promoting the support for anti-aging mm. health when you're 25 you're aging when you're 35 you're aging mm-hmm. and menopause <laughs> is just a natural developmental stage thank you for the reality so, check <laughs> so interesting bonnie because what she's talking about is really one of my points about and i don't know if you want to jump into this or not well but... i want to read your statement number four mm-hmm. sherry i want to go into the round table so it, it, thank you Jody. Mm-hmm. that was very very interesting I will tell you that whenever I'm introduced to a new company, whether it's a guest on a radio show or in some way, I look at their board Mm. and I count the number of female names. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Sometimes it's hard to tell. But I count the number. What's that? (laughs) You can do that on one hand. Absolutely. And if I see it's all male names, I say, damn, when are they going to get the message? What's the problem? Seriously. It bothers me. It's it still bothers me, and it should bother everybody. Why not everybody? Right? Let's disrupt across the board. Thank you all for the quotes. I appreciate it. That was a lovely scene in the movie. I did watch the clip, Got, and the young person playing Robin Hood was talking, and then the father, then the older Robin Hood, said the same thing. It was a beautiful scene. So thank you very much. So let's go on. I'm going to pick one statement from each of you, and I don't think we'll have time to cover a lot, so we're going to have to schedule part two, and that's just fine because Sherry's with us today. I'm going to read a statement from Sherry, and this will segue nicely, Sherry, into what GOT and everybody was talking about. And Sherry will unpack it in about three minutes, and then I'm going to go around the table. So I want you all to sit at the edge of your chair. You can't be multitasking. You've got to pay attention here. So I will be asking Enrique, who's virtually sitting next to Sherry, agree or disagree, one minute commentary. Then Patty, agree or disagree with Sherry and or with Enrique. Then Giotti, you have the whole table to disagree with if you want to. Then if we have time, I'll go back to Sherry and ask her to wrap it up. At that point, I will have picked a statement from you, Enrique. I'll put it in a private chat to you. You have two seconds to say yes or no. If you don't like it, I'll pick another one and we'll do the same thing around the table. Let's see how far we go. So Sherry's statement number four says, this is all about people, not technology. Who makes tech decisions? This is often the subject of debate in marketing. Who is your audience? You want to reach the person with the money to fund technology, but influencing that people's that person's purchasing decision is quite tricky. I'm going to stop there. Sherry, why don't you unpack this for us? Go ahead. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so my most recent position, my most recent position, I've had the opportunity to delve into marketing more and did that some with ASAP, right? Whenever I was Um, building up an audience for something. Whenever I write, who is the audience? It's really difficult to tell because yes, most tech companies will tell you it's the CFO. It might be the CEO. For HR, they try to tell you it's the CHRO. Well, is it really? I mean, you can get that person's attention, but really it's the people that are using the technology that are going to be part of the project team that influence everything, right? Um, and then there are strategy things beyond your control, like whatever someone else deems the strategy is or what the culture is, right, will definitely influence the technology decision. But when it comes down to it, to me, it's all about how your people are going to work with the technology and how your people are going to make your business better. 
right? Um, so I think it is very, the three things we're talking about are very much part of a circle or a triangle. You need all of them to succeed. Um, and I don't think we should second guess who that audience is. I think lots of people need to hear your story. Thank you. Good word story. Storytelling, communications, getting the message out. Let's go around the table. Enrique, agree or disagree with Ms. Meyer? What do you th I haven't called her Ms. Meyer probably ever since I've known her. I'm getting no. formal here. Enrique, go ahead. I, I, de I definitely agree. Uh, and I say this as a technologist, right? I, technology is the tool that helps us do better or it can help us do worse. And that's the one key thing that we have to to acknowledge, right? I mean, it doesn't matter who you're selling to. Uh, what matters is what the tool is going to be doing for the people, for the workplace, and for the extended community of, of stakeholders that that company may be uh, impacting. But ultimately, uh, for for uh, in agreement with you, Sherry, for, for people who think that technology is the panacea that will resolve all the problems they have, they are in the wrong and they will they are going down a road where they will find no way out. And uh, alternatively, for people who think that technology will enhance the goodness of whatever processes they have in place, they are whether they have the answers for everything right now or the right technology right now, doesn't really matter that much. They are in the right path. So anyway, uh, in short, technology is there to serve uh, a purpose, and that purpose is to enhance whatever processes we're designing, whether they enhance them in a positive way or they make them worse. So that to me is is a is an important thought for, for people who have. Thank you. Patty Fletcher, agree or disagree? You got a lot to chew on there. Go ahead. Yeah, I'd say yes and. Um and, and there's a word Enrique used which is enable. And Giotti, mm -hmm. this is something I'm just going to say out loud. I have a visceral reaction to the word empower. Empower means I can give you power and I'm going to take it away. Mm. Technology is a great enabler. And Sherry, having sat on both the HR and marketing side of the house, I will say my new definition of marketing is to facilitate business between people, right? People do business with people. With HR, I think it's about facilitating relationships. And my mm -hmm. one concern and caveat would be from an HR organization is when you're using tech to facilitate those relationships, to beat your competition, to make your customers happy, don't do it for the workplace of today and yesterday. That's what happens 100% of the time, Sherry. You and I saw that at ASA all the time, from right going to on-prem, then going to SaaS, and now here we are with Cognitive. So I would say for HR, it's really about thinking deeply the new role of a manager in facilitating someone's career and ability to get work done versus finishing the project on time and within budget, right? We've got to look at those kind of little futurist things. So agree, but we have to change the why and the how mm. to be about facilitating those relationships. It's the only true differentiator that another company cannot compete with. And it's also, make no mistake, an expectation of all the workforces, multiple generation and across genders. Thank you. G.O.D., you got a lot to talk about here. Agree or disagree with anybody or everybody? Go ahead. I think I uh, I partially agree with everybody. And, uh, and the reason I say that is, you know, to Sherry's point, yeah, who are the decision makers? And I don't know if I misread, but there's a, there's a slight assumption that it's mostly male-dominated, uh, you know, boards that we are looking at. I can tell you from firsthand experience of building this venture for 18 months now that I've had better response from men than women when it comes to menopause, 
when it comes to healthy aging. And I'll tell you why, because women are also suffering from that generational conditioning because their mother said, just get on with it. Mm. You know, so the, the thing is that it, we we do need diverse decision makers, but at the same time, again, Paddy, to your point, yes, agree that empower, I take, I give the power, I take it away. But we are still in a place where you do need that power. You do need to be able to control your destiny. And for that, yes, there are certain structural changes that have to be made in organizations for women to be in that position, right? So the point is that whether you use empower, enable, whether you say, hey, what when you are looking at your both strategies, so you know, one of the points that I'd made was when you're looking at the um the the feed, the when you're promoting diversity in leadership and making a female-centric strategy, that's when we start talking. If it's even if it's a male-dominated board, but are you looking at a female-centric strategy to say, hey, I've got 20 women in 40 to 45 age bracket, and I want to accelerate their promotion to the board you know, before they start hitting, you know, uh, uh, difficult stages in their life. So I would partially agree. Yes, technology, it's all about the people, uh, not just about technology, but technology, how it is, how it has evolved over the years. If people don't fit to the evolving landscape of technology, then people are going to not find themselves useful as well. Right. So I I would stay in the middle over here. Interesting. Sherry, good conversation starter. Anything you want to say back it's, to your it's colleagues? It's a great, great conversation starter. And I think really what it comes down to is assumptions. I heard Jody say that, you know, she had much better response from males who listened to her pitch about menopause than she mm-hmm. did from females, which, you know, maybe there's a bit of a stigma attached, but those are the things you don't know, right? Yeah. And one of my very, very early communication classes, um, a woman stood up and she said, mm-hmm. She was trying to teach us how to speak, so let's write, whatever. The other party would completely understand. She said, they had different parents than you did. And I've always remembered Mm. that because that is so fundamental. Mm. My parenting, my culture, my 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 company country that my parents came countries that my parents came from how long they were here um where i went to school what kind of challenges did i have especially as a young woman growing up right not the same challenges most men had all those influenced my decisions where i am at now you know for most of my working career i was a single mom i i made decisions about my career i saw things about business and work that i needed to fit my life so it's a very, very individual thing. And you cannot get to do that until you really speak to someone in person and get to know them. Walk a mile in their shoes. Yep. And who bought those shoes or made them for them in the beginning? Thank Mm -hmm. you, Sherry. Very, very interesting. I'm going to move on. Enrique Rubio, I have picked two statements for you because I think there's a nice segue between your statement two and three. I'll read them both and then give us a three-minute unpacking. And then at this round, Patty, you're sitting next to Enrique and then it'll be Jyoti and Sherry will round it up. So Enrique says, to build successful organizations, we have to understand that people and business success are two sides of the same coin. Therefore, we need to focus in people strategy as much, if not more, as we focus on business strategy. That's statement two. Here's three. The traditional approach to competitive advantage solely focused on business differentiators is not enough anymore to help organizations succeed. Here's the kicker. The real competitive advantage is culture. Culture. Not only eat strategy for breakfast, culture is the strategy. I wanted to get that one in there. Enrique, go ahead. Yeah, thank you. 
uh, well, my my statements are so long, like my quote. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but but thank you for reading them both. Uh, you know, so so eloquently. But um, yes, we we have neglected the human component of any organizations for such a long time, right? And and we we have treated people like if they were cogs in the machine. And we, you know, many organizations continue to do that. They continue to treat people like they are cogs in the machine, and the machine is supposed to make money for. Uh, for a small group of people that employees never even know about, by the way. And that approach doesn't work anymore. And it just doesn't work for many reasons. One of them is people are uh, overworked, burned out, stressed, depressed, anxious, and they can't produce as well. And this is impacting organizations, but of course, it's impacting people's mental health. And what ends up happening is that they leave an organization, they may leave an entire field of expertise, like people are leaving HR right now because they are burned out, just because they are not finding the impact they wanted to achieve, and they are finding a negative impact on their health. So uh, so we, we can't disconnect the success of an organization from the success of the people. And the success of the people has many different shapes, by the way. One shape can be them being well and cared for. Another uh, shape can be them being well-paid. And of course, you know, all of these things are true simultaneously. Uh, another one can be them growing professionally to do something else later in life. And again, all of these statements can be true, but... The ultimate message here is that you can't disconnect the success of an, of an organization with from the success of the people. This, these are two sides of the same thing, of the same coin. Now, what happens, uh, you know, uh, in, in my view, is that we have focused so much on making on trying to make organizations better by by only focusing on making business decisions. For example. Uh, making people come to work back in an office, right? I mean, that is that is a business sort of excuse, uh, so to speak, right? And we are disregarding the fact, talking to Jody, by the way, that there are single moms out there that are doing very well by working remotely because now they have more flexibility. There are people who have parents that are aging and, and perhaps ill, and they have flexibility by working uh, remotely. But if we only focus on whether working in the office is right for the business and not working remotely is right for the people, we're making a mistake. The same way that if we only focus on whether people are happier by working remotely and not how that impacts productivity and performance, then we're also making a mistake. So these two conversations have to happen simultaneously, and they pertain to the question of how do we create a culture where people are cared for, where they are taking into account where we care for their human experience, not just their employee experience, but their human experience, while simultaneously they deliver for the business, results, productivity, performance, and whatnot. And I think these two questions are not opposing to each other. They are part of the same uh, discussion. So that's my my whole point with this idea that people and business success are two sides of the same coin. Thank you very much. Sherry Ann, we need to make a decision. We can go around, agree or disagree. We've got seven minutes left. Or I can read one statement from Patty and have her unpack it and one from GOT and do a part two where we go around. What would you like me to do? Go with the latter. And go with we'll the latter? Okay. Patty, I'm just going to read your statement number three. Uh, if I put it in the chat, it'll take too long. So th th this, I think, is a very interesting ad addition to the conversation. You say the skill set of leaders and managers must be reevaluated based on business constructs that represent organizational culture that promote innovation, that promote compassion, that promote communications, 
that work to create positive connections between people within teams and between business strata, adopting new technologies, tools, and processes that better enable, I didn't realize this is one sentence, that better enable employees to deliver within their roles becomes easy. Managers become advocates and avenues for internal mobility, upskilling, and reskilling. We haven't covered that at all. Patty, you want to take two minutes to unpack that, and then I'll pick one from Jody and Sherry's going to promise a part two. Go ahead, Patty. Yeah, sure. It's a lot of what, what, and I do wish we could have gone around and talked about um, in, uh, what Enrique had, had just spoke about, but it really does come to, to culture. And for me, right, I have been in this space and I, you know, 20 years working in, in gender equity and underrepresented equity and now looking at the new majority. And here's what the new majority expects, whether you're a woman or you're also seeing that in, uh, in coming generations. And that is things around, how are you going to invest in my personal definition of success? So Enrique, when you're talking about success, we have to remember what Gioti said, which is one size doesn't fit all. Hmm. Each demographic, each individual, based on all the things that, that Bonnie and Sherry just talked about, we have our own definitions of success. And yet we have to address what success looks like and who needs to be successful. And we think about middle managers and another show, we can talk about the work that I did there that was seminal at SAP on this, is the role in achieving whatever success that looks like. Notice I didn't say the role in achieving, finish the project on time and within budget. Your people are your most competitive advantage. If mm -hmm. you are not investing your tools, your enablement in a way to grow managers differently, to understand humans, and they're not using AI to help with that deep understanding, people are going to continue to leave. The pandemic was a great example of what happens mm -hmm. with the erosion of culture that's based on the wrong definitions and constructs of culture. So I, I totally agree with it, but it leads the whole point of this thing, Bonnie, is when we start introducing new topics, it creates new conversations mm -hmm. that the board and C-suite must have. And we keep stopping at the word culture and we're not diving in enough of what that actually means. And I will tell you, as a C-suite leader, as a boardroom person, as a person who's been an operator, it's incredibly difficult to lead a diverse um, set of employees if you don't first start with a culture of inclusion. That's the problem. And that's what GOT's work is is doing and you. you and Enrique and enabling that. And I'm going to read a statement from GOT, but I want to say, how does the conversation reach the boardroom, Patty? It doesn't always get there. What's that trajectory? That's are the, I, oh, we can talk about that in another whole day. other. Sherry, yeah, I think we have yeah. two more yeah. topics here. We have two, two more shows. We're set. Tell Hannah she doesn't need to write any more abstracts. We've got <laughs> January and February all sewed up. Gioti okay. here, statement number two. This needs to be said. Healthy aging for a healthier enterprise. Prioritizing healthy aging within the workforce is not just a compassionate approach. It's a savvy business strategy. Gioti, go ahead. I can give you two minutes, three minutes tops. Go. Yeah, uh, I think one minute is plenty because everybody has really spoken to that effect. When we talk about healthy aging, with everything we talked about, it's a very individual experience. You know, how your early life was, what your genetics is. And here I'll introduce the notion of individual differences in health equity, how a particular individual person react or experience illnesses or, you know, to treatments that are given to them. So when you're looking at a healthier workforce, just investing millions of dollars in saying, oh, we've got mental health and well-being initiatives and we've invested so much in XYZ tech, which is a well-being platform, but you're working bloody 40 hours 
you know, in, in a day or whatever, 48 hours in two days. And you then say, oh, now we're going to have a one day off where our employees meet with their families, but they don't have the energy to meet with their families because they've been, you know, slogging like an like a horse the whole week, right? So it's it's all upside down. So what organizations need to look at is when you, if you're really invested, as Patty said, in a healthier workforce, but if you don't have your finger on the pulse, so, you know, leaders who are saying, come back to the workplace, there are younger women who have premenstrual disorders who are doing much better working from home during their menstrual during their menstrual cycle versus coming back to the office, right? And who who determines culture? What is culture? The leaders determine the what are the acceptable norms in the organization. Mm -hmm. That's what culture is, right? Now, if you are rewarding bad behaviors in an organization, you are creating that culture, mm -hmm. right? So, so and and when I say healthy aging. Health, where does health come from? Stress is one of the biggest drivers of bad health. Mm. Where is stress coming from? It's from, you know, we did a study, and I have to say that we did a study with the National Health Services in England during the pandemic. And during the pandemic, the workplace stress actually reduced. You know why? Because they weren't meeting their managers who were toxic. Because everybody was still virtual and they didn't have in-person toxic exchanges in the corridors. So the whole point is we need to look at societal health, family health, workplace health. It's all interconnected. Mm -hmm. And if every leader, every team member is not invested and have, is looking out for each other, we are all doomed. Thank and you. it's a collective responsibility. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure tapping into the, the mindsets, the expertise, the experiences and the brains of the four of you, uh, Sherry, you and I'll talk about a part two and maybe even a part three, but I'm going to bring one point up before we go. And to me, it's the diversity of who's in that boardroom, who is willing to listen to the needs of the different pieces of that human workforce. Does somebody understand what a single mom needs, what an aging person needs, what a young person needs, what somebody who is only going to be remote needs? There is no water cooler. There are no face-to-face -face meetings. Getting rid of the toxicity in personalities that somehow trickle up to the top and don't get shown the door. We all know organizations have those. So there's so much more to talk about. Patty, that was my statement. <laughs> <laughs> had to get that in. I've been there, been there, seen that. I want to thank the four of you. Sherry Ann, it's just wonderful having you on the panel. It's about time, as I said. Enrique Rubio, delight to meet you. So smart. I love the word hacking in your company. I think that was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Patty Fletcher, reuniting. It's just wonderful to see yeah, you so again. Good. Everything that comes out of your mouth is just a beautiful phrase. You just phrase everything so well. You don't laud your expertise. You just share it with us. You do it beautifully, Patty. And Giotti, your breath of fresh air, all of your research, all of your intelligence, the wonderful things you shared with us, your perspective that we wouldn't get from anybody else. Mm. So I'm going to tell everybody, people say the future is already here. And I say to my panelists, to my audience, the answer is no, no, no. That was yesterday's future. That was the future of the sentence I just said. It's in the past already. I've got 30 seconds to go. Thank you to Andrew at Voice America, our engineer today. Thank you to our listeners, our viewers. The future hasn't happened yet. And we're all going to do our best to intelligently and compassionately and passionately make it a better one. Everybody, happy holidays. Wave goodbye. Thank Don't you. go away, panel. Don't go away. Thanks again for tuning in to Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise with Rising, a Wipro company. 
Rising enables you to create your business journey your way with SAP technology. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag R-I-Z-I-N-G. That's rising with a Z. Please join us again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively evolving week.